1: Yesterday, I aired our podcast after the 2017 season with Chuck Kyle. And it was a great one where he talked about every season being like a book that you write. And this was my first interview with him and went back through this one. We edited it and cleaned it up. And there are just some incredible things that coach shares in this one. I don't care if you are a high school, college or NFL coach. There are takeaways from what Coach Kyle has done in his career and how he has approached coaching this game. So enjoy this one with Chuck Kyle, head football coach at Cleveland St. Ignatius. We're very honored to have Chuck Kyle as our guest today. Chuck Kyle is the head football coach at Cleveland St. Ignatius and he owns an overall record of 290-67-1 and a 61-12 mark in the Ohio State playoffs. He's led the St. Ignatius Wildcats to a state record 11 division one state titles and also three national championships in 1989, 1993, and 1995. Coach Kyle was named The coach of the year by USA Today in 1989 and 1993. He was also named the head coach of the United States' first junior national football team in 2009, Team USA, and they won the American Football Junior World Championship, which is to be held every four years. Coach Kyle does an outstanding job and sustained success at St. Ignatius by sticking to his plan, having a great coaching staff, and getting his players to believe. We're excited to have you here today, Coach. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Show.
0: Well, thank you, Keith. It's it's uh, an honor to be here, and uh, hey, Happy New Year. You
1: know, Yeah, Happy that, New Year to me w- too. Coach, let's get started and, and go back to the beginning for you. Uh, what made you want to be a football coach?
0: Well... Um, <laughs> I certainly enjoyed, as a young kid, well, let's start even earlier than that. Okay, I was the youngest of uh, four boys. So you can imagine, uh, every sport that we could find, we played. uh, And... I I for I can't remember it really when I wasn't playing something, uh, in the backyard or down at the park or something. So athletics was an important part of my life, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, you get into high school and then went on to play at John Carroll, and uh, uh, as I'm. You know, at that point, you have to be a little more thinking about a career, and uh, I, I, you know, you're at that point. Well, maybe you go and be a lawyer, or maybe you do this. And I, I, I started realizing, you know, I'd, I think I'd like to to teach and and coach. I think I really enjoy working with kids and, and, uh, help, uh, teach them some things, not just in the classroom, but also, you know, the bell will ring, I'll put a whistle around my neck and go out and coach and run around a little bit. I, would be honest with you. I, when I came out of college j- to sit there and s- say, I, I plotted out that I'm going to be a head coach and, and do it for, uh, whatever, how many years, 35, 40 years. I don't know. I didn't think of that. I just thought about getting out there, uh, running around and help kids, uh, with, uh, Football. I also coach track. I find those both areas uh, a great classroom, also. So that's what I did. And uh, it's developed from there.
1: Coach, where was your first job coaching and teaching? <laughs> well, that's easy. St. Ignatius High School.
0: And I've been there ever since. So uh, I don't even know if I have a resume, to be honest with you. <laughs> I got hired very fortunately. Uh, and uh, the day I went in to sign, uh, it was a spring, and I was hired as the English teacher and I was going to help coach with, uh, At that time, the head coach is Paul Nemec, and I was going to be the backfield coach, which meant that you played deep, you worked with defensive backs and offensive backs. Well, anyway, the day I went in to sign my teaching contract, the athletic director, John Wirtz, was walking by the gym. He saw me walk in, and just that day, the the, uh, track coach became the assistant principal, and so he wasn't going to coach track anymore. So John Wirtz was walking by me and said, Hey, wait a minute, John, you, you ran track when you were here, didn't you? And I said, Yes, sir. Do you want to be the track coach? And I said, Yes, sir. So that's how I was hired to be the track coach. Uh, it was a you know all the wonderful interviews people go through nowadays. Mine lasted ten seconds, and I've been track coach forty some years. You know, so it's nice. It a little different <laughs> back then, right? A little different.
1: Yeah, today you have to deal with a committee and come in four or five times, and yeah, yeah. Back back for
0: that for that job, it was no committee. It was just John Wirt saying, You you can do that
1: <laughs> <So. laughs> Well, coach, I know you're a student of the game, and. What was it you learned in those early years as a coach that made a difference in in your career?
0: Well, uh, I, I I think while playing, I learned a, a work ethic. I always had a lot of energy. You know, some people have high, are high energy people. I always had that. I'd always be running. I mean, I, I, my recollection of childhood I was always running someplace, wherever, but, uh, the work ethic idea, you know, that you have to put it in every day and put hours into it. And and the idea of the value of repetition and something like that. So, um, when I learned that at an early age and I I can see how it benefited me, I think that when you say getting into starting getting into uh, coaching, certainly understanding the value of practice. I, I think that was the first thing that, that, uh, that dawned on me you know as a player games were fun practice was you know double sessions august oh you know you can you survive it but as i mature and got into coaching i'd see how valuable Every minute of practice is, and and so I think that was the first thing I appreciated was practices not just jumping through hoops. It, there, there's a reason for every drill, and there's a there's an important technique in every drill that you're trying to help a kid improve on. So I, I think that was something when you say a really important idea that I can definitely recall. When I realized that then been, I been I became very fascinated sort of learning technique from college coaches but also learning great drills that could teach it and uh, I, I was I became very oh I don't want to say fanatic about it but I, I was always looking for that great drill that would teach this specific uh, technique and I think that was important for progress
1: Coach, as you've progressed through your career I know you've had plenty of opportunities to make the jump to the college level and you chose not to do that. I know there's a lot of young coaches out there who kind of envision that as part of their career path. You know, what's the advice you have as far as looking at those opportunities versus working somewhere that gives you a lot more stability and probably balance in your life?
0: Well, that's that's a very important question in the idea of of coaching, Keith. I, um, I, I think each individual it's up to, to that coach to honestly soul search about that. I always thought a very important idea. I'm a, I'm a, a man of faith and, and I think we, we get put on this earth and we have to ask ourselves an important question. What is it that God has intended for us to do? And and be honest with yourself going on. and getting into high school and say, hey, my goals is to get into college and I know I can do a good job there and I can go on and, and be, because once you make that move into college, you're going to be desiring to be the coordinator. And then if you're the coordinator, you got to work to be the head coach and you got to be willing to move around. And, and, and that's great. There are some people that are good with that. The family has to agree with that because that's tough on them. I just went into this for the reason to be able to teach English and a coach. And as you said, yeah, there, there, there were times when the um, a college coach would say, hey, would you be interested in interviewing for this and doing that? And I, I kept going back to why did I get into this in the first place? No, I wanted to teach English and I wanted to coach. So I didn't want to get talked out of that because I really enjoyed also teaching, I really did. I enjoyed. E- I enjoyed teaching English, so I, I didn't want to get talked out of what I really enjoy doing. And I looked at my young family and uh, and I said, well, you know, to move around because once you make that move, you're going to be moving around eight, nine, ten different cities in your lifetime. I don't know if that was fair to the family. So I was quite happy with what I was doing, and and uh, I was I was fortunate enough to be in a very good institution, St. Ignatius
1: High School. And,
0: and uh, so I think I'm doing what I was intended to do.
1: Coach, we talked a little bit about practice and I've been able to be at some of your practices at the high school and I really love how you guys run things and there's a unique thing you do at the end of practice with I think it's 10 seconds I don't remember how many it was I know you just have a reflection there but I thought that was really valuable to what we're doing rather than just getting caught up in the activity of okay we practice today um, you have a reflection at the end can you talk a little bit about that
0: Sure. Uh, Keith, I, um, well, when I was a player at St. Ignatius and, and when I first came back as an assistant coach, we would all sing the alma mater at the end of practice. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, first of all, those were some of the worst versions of the alma mater I've ever heard, because by the time you finished practice, you were dead tired and, and, and the singing was horrible and everybody rushed through it. So it was, it was sort of... Mm. Okay, but I can see that kind of tradition. But when I took over, I thought, you know, you finish a practice, and if you can, before you leave the practice field, if you can ask the kids to think about what, what is it that you have to work on for tomorrow, after this practice, that maybe there was something you didn't do well, some technique that you're not doing well, or you're just not getting a certain play, whatever it is. Before you leave this practice, get that clearly in your mind, that tomorrow you're going to work to, to solve that problem. And I, I always say, if all of us here, all of all these players, if we're able to solve that problem tomorrow, then we're a much better team. 24 hours from now, we're going to be such a better team. And so I, I always push that idea onto the kids because you can't solve every problem in one practice. But if each kid solves one little technique, one little issue, we're getting better. And I think kids realized when they were able to do that, that yeah, there's improvement. And, I don't, I, don't, I don't care what age you deal with, when, when people sense they're improving, you'll see them work hard. And that's, that's what I hope was gathered by doing that uh, 10 seconds at the end of practice.
1: Coach, obviously you think about a lot of the things you do and you're very intentional about those things. That all starts with a philosophy. What's the core philosophy that you've developed that you live by? And really, I mean, this probably translates to your coaching in all sports and your teaching in the classroom, but what's that core philosophy of teaching and coaching you develop?
0: Well, I think when you say core, idea. I always think that our mantra with, with the, uh, the program is that I'm hoping I'm teaching a young man to be, learn how to prepare and prepare thoroughly, to prepare mentally, to prepare physically, and to prepare spiritually for any challenge you get. At that point in time in that young man's life, there's football, and each week there's a big challenge, and you know you set high goals, and okay, so prepare mentally and physically and spiritually for the challenge because you know football is a complex game, and <laughs> that's why there's radio and TV programs and people like what you're doing, and and people really do this game is a passion for people because it's complex, physically uh, to improve in the offseason, all the work people put in, there's got to be a reason for it, and I always believe spiritually because sometimes. (laughs) you got to keep your faith you know the Cleveland Browns right now take a look they got to keep their faith to keep going right and things don't don't always work out and you have to just believe it will and keep your faith, keep going. And uh, so I think if there's one very important idea in the program is, you know, come on, this is a football game. Uh, But gradually in life, there'll be bigger challenges than a football game. So learn how to prepare mentally, physically, and spiritually for it. And if you do that, if you do that, then you can look yourself in the mirror and hey, whether you you succeeded or you didn't, at least you can look yourself in the mirror and go, hey, I gave it all I could. And that's that's what we're here for, to do all we possibly can. So I think that's the major idea I hope we, we get across.
1: Coach, building the team, building the program, having that entire unit that sticks together is an important thing to the success of your program. And obviously, you guys have experienced a ton of success over the years. What things do you do to build that culture in your program?
0: When we come back from uh, Christmas vacation, uh, I'll be uh, setting up meetings. With each sophomore and junior in our program, uh, freshmen, I don't get a chance to work individually that much with them. So we have a group meeting and I've already did that at the end of their season and just talked about you know, you know the off season and setting goals and so on. But sophomores and juniors, yeah, they were on the, I, I saw them practice every day. And, uh, you know, I talked to the assistant coaches and, and what we, I, I do, I, I personally meet with each one of those kids come into the office and we take like five minutes and, uh, Really, what I do is look them in the eye and say, hey, take a look around. No one else is around here. This is just between you and me. And I'm going to look you in the eye, son. I'm going to tell you what you need to work on. And, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very direct to you. I'm going to tell you honestly. And this is where you're, you're at. And uh, I may have to t- tell you, you know, I don't, at this point, I don't know if you're going to start. It doesn't look like you're going to start next year, but this is how you can help the team. And these are the reasons why. So it's a very, can I say stark conversation, direct, but Keith, honestly, I, every kid I've ever done this with looks at me at the end of the conversation and goes, thank you. Cause I, I now have uh, what, eight, nine months to work on my weaknesses. And uh, at least now I know what those weaknesses are. And if I can improve on that, I'll contribute to this football team and that, that's been, I think, very huge in what we've done because, uh, uh, you know, I hate the thought that I would get to August, turn to a kid and go, hey, by the way, you should have worked on this or worked on that. And I think a kid would turn to you and go, well, why didn't you tell me last January? I would have done that. So I think that's been very, very
1: important to the program
0: just to make sure the kid knows, hey, this is what you got to work on. This is where you honestly you stand right now. And, and let's do something about it in the offseason.
1: Building that culture, it's always important to have that staff that's cohesive and stays together. And I know over your your tenure at St. Ignatius, you've had a lot of those coaches with you. In fact, you don't have extreme amount of turnover that you usually see in this profession. How have you been able to keep that group together? And what what are your thoughts on creating and keeping a coaching staff together?
0: I think a good coaching staff is uh, guys that are good friends. I think friendship's important, and they they like working together, and I I hope I've created an environment like that where it's fun. Certainly when there is a, a position open, I'm not a guy that's in a hurry to find just somebody to fill in. I look for someone who... Certainly would would personality-wise sit in, too, because that, that comes to play. The idea that just can work with other people well. I've always also believed, and I think if you talked to the assistants, they'd probably tell you this. I want the coach to be able to coach. Now, what do I, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm not going to sit there and dictate to that assistant coach, you must do this technique this way. I want to hear what that coach believes in. And uh, what I think my job is, is I'll talk to him about it. I'll, I'll ask questions about it. And maybe I don't, totally agree with that technique. But my point is, if, if if that's what this guy believes in and he's able to teach it well, well, let's take a look and go ahead, coach. So I, I, I do believe I've always been a coach that lets the assistants coach, you know, and, and, and make some decisions like that. And then I'm, as a head coach, I'm there to kind of bounce ideas off and to, to share it and, and then discuss it. But I think an assistant coach has to feel like there's ownership to his area. And uh, I encourage that.
1: Coach, the field's just a different type of classroom. What are the best things that you and your staff do to teach your players to have the understanding they need of your systems, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams, to have that understanding they need to be successful on game day?
0: I certainly think the way... A practice is organized contributes very strongly to what you're talking about there. Over the years, I've had a lot of college coaches who stop by practice go, your practice, you know, they really like the way we organized it and the way we work it. And, uh, you know, you hear, well... Too many other programs spend way too much time just scrimmaging or just spending 45 minutes or an hour on team. And okay, I guess you're getting ready for a ball game to some degree doing it that way. But when you're talking about developing and creating that, uh, developing the young man's skills and plus developing that that uh, group camaraderie, you know, hey, the DBs, they're a group. They work together. Hey, here's the offensive line. There's great pride in the offensive line. What's important is those individual and group periods where they really develop a personality together. And I, I think that's kind of important and should be emphasized. All those at the snap of the ball, sure, there's a scheme, uh, a blocking scheme and a pass pattern and so on. And everybody's got to be on the same page. I, no doubt about that. But everybody's skills have to be sharp and and the and you talk about special teams well you know you can't complain about your special teams if, if you don't spend a lot of time working with the punter working with the place kicker the snapper holder and place kicker are a team they take great pride in what they do and and uh, that that's kind of the, the point I'm talking about you, you, your kicker can go over there and and uh, with those little metal holders and the platform he can sit there and kick for two hours that doesn't mean they're good <laughs> he's got a team <laughs> it up with everybody else and take pride in it so I, I, I think we've always pushed that idea and I, I think it all adds up to uh, kids getting better and kids enjoy working together
1: could you mention special teams and I know in having watched a lot of St. Ignatius games and this is something you, you certainly were doing a long time ago I'm not sure if you still do it but uh, usually that first time out you would use would be for a special teams unit to kick a, a field goal is that something you still do and, and why did you do that?
0: If we're talking about a game situation, I, I I don't want to sit here and say, I, I mean, we'd rather score touchdowns and everything like that, but I always want to be prepared to get any points we can. And, and let me point out something, which since we're talking about field goal, I, I think a place kicker in high school, more than even college and pros, is an extremely important weapon because the way the rules work, and I don't think I'm wandering off here, but the way the rules work in high school, you know, a field goal. Well, once the field goal attempt passes the line of scrimmage, it is like a punt. So if you feel, if you picture that, if you got the wind behind you and you've got a pretty good place kicker, we'll go ahead and try the 45, 50 yard field goal. Big deal. If the wind hits, if he hits it right and he's got a wind behind him, maybe you get three points out of it. But let's say, okay, he didn't quite hit it right. But meanwhile, he hits it into the end zone. They can't return it and the ball's on the 20, <laughs> I've always thought that that's fine. I, it's, it's as good as a punt and you may even get three points out of it. So I, I think you start training the special team guys to realize one, they can score and we'd like to take our chances more than just once in a while. And then number two, field position in high school, your, your kickoff unit, your, your punt team, you got a good punter. You're going to, you're going to maintain field position. And as fancy as all we've gotten with the spread offenses and all that sort of stuff in high school Football. How many teams can put together a 15-play drive to go 80 yards to score a touchdown? It's, it's extremely hard to do, so if you can maintain field position, it still leads to a large amount of your victories because you've pinned the, the other team down. Right. So special teams are key in that.
1: The original question was, uh, at least it's something I observed, uh, that... You you reserve a lot of those timeouts for the special teams oh, okay. situations.
0: Okay. I, now I get I, – I'm sorry. I, I was getting into philosophy there. No, no, there. no. That's good. Right? I appreciate okay. it. That's okay. All right. You're given three timeouts uh, a half. It's an interesting statistic how many people don't use all three in the half. Most of the time, coaches don't. Now, if I have all three left and I feel I have a kicker that needs – his time to really take his steps and whatever, get get all set up, then I'll take a timeout, the first one. I've got three left, okay, I'm fine, I'll take a timeout all right, field goal, and I'll let the kicker go over there and do his little routine there to get ready because standing on the sideline, kicking into a net, fine, it's it's okay, but to walk out there and put the little platform down and look up at the goalposts and go, okay, here it is, it's showtime. Some kids need a little bit of time to just go through their routine a little bit more. Now, as the guy becomes more of a veteran, the less you have to do that. But, come on, we're in high school, you're going to (laughs) have... you're going to have the kid maybe two years at the mall, you know, as as varsity kicker. Uh, A lot of times it's, it's, he'll have, he'll be a senior and it'll be his first really as the prime time kicker. So I I do have a tendency at times to go, okay, if I have three, I'll take that first one and let the kid get set up. Now when there's only two left or one, I I don't know, (laughs) then you have to think about that, the the ability to, you know, have that two minute drill right before the, the end of the half. But, uh, you got to save it for those but but if you have three uh, many many times the coaches don't use their timeouts so i i i feel like I should use them and they're there to be used
1: well and that's a good use of it i think because it's it's points on the board it's field position it's all those things you talked about
0: that's right and 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 again when a kid you know it's a high school kid and 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 the snapper and the holder they they i mean there's there's some plenty of technique there they're not professionals and uh you know again as much as you can sit there and on the sidelines that the snapper takes a few snaps. Uh, the holder maybe your your starting quarterback. Who knows? He's been busy. And the kicker, he's hit it into a net. Uh, he's got to have time to kind of go out there, deep breath, get his steps, look at that goal post, get everything uh, ready to go, you know. And uh, the more veteran he is, fine, he'll be able to handle it. But those, those younger guys, they can use a little time sometimes.
1: Coach, I know you have coordinators designated for every unit. What's your role on game day? Oh
0: well, if if we do a good job. And game planning and that means for me you know whether it's on a sunday or, or a saturday to sit down and i'm involved in the offensive meeting to break down the film and okay this is what our game plan will be then i go over the defensive meeting and we go over that one i'm in on that meeting okay so that's all set well here comes practices so at that point i'm i'm just making sure that we're getting it done and if i see some things that that hey we, we got to do more work on this certain play or this certain thing, fine that's what prior now once we get to the game in all honesty, the offensive coordinator and the defensive their guess is as good as mine. Go ahead and start making the calls. we worked all week. And what I find myself doing and what I should do is just sit back and let them go ahead and start calling. I have faith in them. And what I'm doing then is uh, I'm looking at what the other team is doing. And okay, is first of all, is, are they doing something that we didn't anticipate? Because, you know, people put a few wrinkles in at times and you're going, wait a minute, that's not what we thought they'd be doing. Or if there's some things that we thought what we could do but we're not executing it well or we're having a hard time with it those are the things i'm looking for uh go ahead call the play go ahead i don't care what, what's the play fine but i want to watch what technique things we're having a trouble with or what's the opponent doing that we didn't expect so that thus by the end of the quarter and certainly by the half we can make appropriate adjustments i i think that's really my job
1: coach i know also on game day you've been quite a motivator and having both coached and having friends who have played for you i had the opportunity to hear and geez back in the day they were cassette tapes but of of locker room speeches that you've had and they were they were definitely motivating what is your philosophy on that last minute motivation and talking to your players you know right before they charge out those doors
0: Okay, well, Keith, I got to be honest with you. Here, here's what I think it is, okay? if You're sitting in a locker room three minutes before the kickoff of a football game, and if the kid's not motivated at that point, something's wrong. Uh, I think they're motivated. I think they're excited about it. To me, a motivation is, is an attitude about what you do. In other words, uh, an attitude. Hey, there's a football game in front of me. I love playing football. This is a, obviously a big game, and I've got a lot of energy. Uh, So to me, motivation is an attitude. The speech right there is not, to me, the reason why the the team's going to go out and play a great football game. Here's what I worry about. And here's what I would say that locker room speech is about. Kids are nervous, and they're 16, 17-year-old kids. I mean, how many adults wouldn't be very, very nervous playing in front of 10, 15,000? You're, you're in the regional final. You're in state championship. And there's 20, 25,000 people there. It's on TV. It's, it's you know, yeah. <laughs> Any human being's going to be very nervous. At that point, I'm trying to make sure that the kid forgets about that. Let's get beyond that. There's, There's fear of making a mistake. Let's get rid of that fear. Get rid of it. And so what that talk is for me is for the kid to step above his fears and go, Hey, <laughs> whether I succeed, whether I fail, I'm going to be the man out there on the field doing it. And, and I can do this. I've trained to do this and I'm going to go out there and have fun doing this and accepting that challenge. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what that talk really to me is about. Um, they want to play the game and they're, they're motivated to play the game. I, I just don't want the fear of, of failure to get in the way because that, that limits a lot of people. A lot of people in this, the history of this world didn't live up to what they could be because why? They were afraid to fail. And let's get rid of that and just go ahead and do it. So that's what that speech is really all about.
1: Coach, on the field, what would you say is your area you gravitate more towards? Are you an offensive guy or a defensive guy? <laughs>
0: All right. Now you are talking to, guy, to a guy who has coached football for 40 some years. So, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the head coach. So have I coached offensive line? Yes. Have I coached backs? Yes. Have I coached defensive back? Yeah. Have I coached kickers? Yeah. At, at this point in my career, I care about all the positions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think what I gravitate to, um, people could certainly look at the idea that before I became head coach, I was, a I was the defensive coordinator. Right. Uh, and, I think that's a fairest assessment, and I I still think. whether it's high school or college, you know, if the defense can play good football, you're in the game. If the other team can't score, you're you're in the game. And so that's important. There's no doubt about it. But I'm an old running back, right? I, that's what I did when I was high school and college. So I, the offensive side of the ball still is exciting. And it sounds like I'm skirting your question. But as a head coach, I, I feel like I'm, I'm looking and interested in all of it. Now, the whistle blows at practice and here we go, individual, right? All the coaches get their individuals i one will fill in where maybe a coach can't make it that day to that part of the practice because that comes up so i'll i'll go over there and handle any drills or whatever but i do when everything's going accordingly i will work with the kickers because i think that's something that coaches have a tendency to put oh, on the back burner at times right. they want to uh, there's defense, there's offense on like, well, who's who's working with those kickers and uh you know that sort of thing so when everybody's there and everything's functioning like we can i, I grab the kickers and we do a, a lot of drills and uh that that to me is important because you know, we've already talked about special teams i think that's an important thing now then as the practice progresses you know i don't have the kickers kick that a hundred times so they're done really they, they can stretch or help out with the practice in some other way and now then i'm i'm going to various different groups Group work that I, I feel that something is important that we have to get done so I, I, I kind of bounce around a little bit but if you, you'd have to say what's typically in practice I, I I like to be a complete team so while there's the offensive lineman over there and they got their coaches and the backs coach and the quarterback go, well here's the kickers then I'll work with them because I want to be a complete team
1: Coach as we look at today how coaches are developing it seems there's even a specialization by coaches to be in one area for example I know I've had offensive line coaches at the college level who really didn't understand the intricacies or how the passing game worked. And a lot of those guys don't get the experience like you had where you became the backfield coach. And that meant you were coaching both sides of the ball. How important is it that today's young coaches really learn everything that's happening on the field?
0: Right. This young man is saying, Hey, this is something I want to keep doing. Uh, I, you know, I, I really want to progress in this area. Then, the idea of having the courage and the the um, interest to actually coach something that that is not that familiar with him at that point, doing something that you you did in high school, the same position in high school, same position in college. Why? Well, that's all I want to work on. Well, it's it's that's very limited. And the idea of to become a better receivers coach, you better understand what secondaries are doing and. Sometimes a good secondary coach could be a, a guy who was a receiver in high school. Why? Because he understands what the patterns are trying to do. So thus he can help the DBs un- get their reads. Okay, pattern reading and adjustments. If I'm a defensive line coach, well, it's nice to know what techniques the offensive lineman's trying to do against your guys. Because how do you coach? To, how to uh, break that 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 type of blocking scheme or 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 that technique? How you how do you react to that technique so it's a type of game where to say i just know this limited area ends up really you end up uh stonewalling yourself you know you you need to understand a lot of different things uh in the game so um i i think for a young coach hey you're offered an opportunity to coach and you go well I've, i've coached um receivers before but there's an opening of defensive backs hey I'm a young guy, let's go do it and go go to clinics, go visit Ohio State or John Carroll or BW or Oberlin or whatever, talk to people and start developing expertise in that area. it only make you a better coach and a more valuable coach as your career goes on.
1: That's going to change the pace here a little bit and shift the, the questions back onto you. And we'll start back from the beginning again. What's a mistake you made as a young coach and what did you learn from it?
0: I think as a young coach, I, I uh, didn't understand the importance of pulling a young kid aside. And if it's say there's a problem, you know, I, I, I would just in front of everybody kind of, hey, you know, kind of rip into that a little bit. And I started realizing, OK, what's going through that kid's head right now? Is he taking correction or did I just embarrass him? to the point that I'd lost him. It took me a while to kind of of figure out what's a more mature way of handling this, okay? And uh, I I think that was one thing that I realized. I realized uh, that... In doing so, in in, in what we're talking about, I started realizing, you know what? I'm not Vince Lombardi. I'm not Nick Saban. I'm Chuck Kyle, and I have a personality, and this has to fit my personality. And if I'm trying to be somebody else, uh, all of a sudden I'm going to be a different personality out on the practice field. Well, you know what? Kids see through that, and I think kids, you lose them because they're going, come on, he's being a phony. If I can just be myself and coach the way I I should, and and keep in mind that – you know, for that kid who knows what else is going on in his life. And maybe he's not as focused as he should be this week. Well, maybe there's another reason why and how I correct that may be important. Uh, how I react to that. Or maybe I'm, I'm just adding gasoline to the fire. If I don't realize, Hey, there's some other things going on in this kid's life and I'm not helping him by what I'm doing. I don't know. I I, I think hopefully I'm making myself clear. Sometimes you can just react, uh, in a, in a way, like, hey, you're not understanding what I'm doing. Okay, wait a minute. There may be a reason why. Uh, it's just the kid doesn't have his focus right there. So I, I think I've learned to uh, be myself, be open to, to help the kid. I think my job is to help the kid out there, not to be the dictator of showing my brilliance in football, because that's silly, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's not why we win. Uh, it's because we like working together, and the kids uh, like working with me, I hope, and I like working with them.
1: Coach, what's the best advice you've received in your career? I think something what we just talked about would be there
0: is to actually be yourself. What's your personality? Know thyself, you know, as uh, Emerson and Thoreau would tell you. Be yourself. Don't be a phony. Be, be honest with what you can contribute. Look at coaching and look at teaching as, hey, how can I help you, kid? I know even in the classroom, a lot of times I go, look, why am I here I'm here to help you okay now you got to want to be helped uh, you want to you have to want to do well but if you want to do well I'm here to help you so let's work together on this okay and I think that's kind of it that doesn't sound like a <laughs> someone who has a big ego because it isn't I, I gave up on I threw the ego in the back seat a long time ago don't worry about that stuff but try to develop a, a good atmosphere in whatever you're doing and I think I've learned that over the years I think uh, that was good advice that I got and talking to guys like, you know, Lou Holtz and, and so on. I mean, Lou Holtz is a comedian too, you know, mm-hmm. he could rev it up, but kids, <laughs> he's a funny guy, you know? And why? Because that's Lou Holtz. He, he, he if you've ever heard him talk, he's, he has a great sense of humor, you know? And, and, uh, and people love Vince Lombardi, but Vince Lombardi was, uh, you know, he would fire and brimstone a bit, but that was his personality. So I respected it. So I think, you know, be yourself. is kind of an important thing that I've learned. And uh, good advice that I heard from experienced people.
1: Coach, what advice would you give to the young coach just starting out in this profession who wants to make it long term and make this career a career? What would you tell him?
0: Okay, well, I would tell him if he is getting into this business because he thinks he's an expert on the X's and O's, uh, if that's the reason he's getting into it, he's getting into it for the wrong reason. Cause come on, who are you kidding? You, you know, you, 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 great. You can come up with some creative ideas. Look, you exchange video with the, your opponent and, uh, they're going to see what you're doing. Okay. So let's get above that ego trip of, oh, I'm an expert. And that's why I'm getting into it. Why are you getting into this game? Well, you're getting into the game. Cause you like working with people and helping them with them better. You find the game interesting because it is, it's a very challenging game as far as, you know, mentally. It's a game where there's twenty every snap of the ball, I think there's twenty two variables. There's twenty two kids out there and, and and it's amazing what can happen. But you l- enjoy that challenge and you love working with young people. That's the key thing. If that's what you want to do, priority, then go into coaching and go into teaching. It's 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 important.
1: Coach, I know you've read a lot of books as an English teacher. What's one that you would recommend to our listeners?
0: Oh, okay. I, I, it's interesting. I, I've gotten into a lot of history, uh, though. I teach English. I, I've enjoyed biographies a lot. Uh, I've enjoyed that. I think there's some great value in reading biographies. Say about a, um, about a George Washington or an Abraham Lincoln. I I think we, we can all look at them here. You know, as Presidents' Day, and we look at those two. And you know, but take it a step further and read. What those guys did as leaders, they both of them threw their egos in the backseat and did what they had to do in a very difficult situation. And it was a very humbling situation for them and but they kept their priorities because they believed in in the community, which was their country. That when you talk about self-sacrifice, because coaching, there's a lot of self-sacrifice, very tremendous examples. Uh, when you read very, very thorough uh, biographies on those, those two men, uh, it, it's it's just uh, fascinating. Great examples of, of uh, leadership and what it really means, because leadership, people forget that you're told to serve. <laughs> Uh, when you're a leader. And what's in the heart of that for both Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, they certainly took that word to heart that they served. And if you're the head coach of something, well, you know what? You're serving those young men and uh, trying to get them better. And I think any thorough study of those two uh, would be very valuable for anybody getting into a leadership uh, situation.
1: Coach, you have your hands full with football track English classes. I mean you you are truly a teacher and a coach. You don't have a situation where you don't teach all day long. You're teaching all day long a full load and, and now, you know, going out and coaching in the in the spring, winter, you have your winter workouts, et cetera. So why would you take on a role as you've done in, in other areas as well? So you've been the national team coach for USA football. You're a youth advisor for the Cleveland Browns. You're a master trainer and involved in Heads Up Football. You do so many things now outside of the game. How are you able to do that, and why?
0: I've always had pretty high energy level. I, I'm just by—I I don't know, just the way it is. I, I've always needed to stay busy. <laughs> but let's go beyond that. Um, <laughs> I think all of these things you talk about has been a progression, a step by step progression. And my wife and I talk about this. If you look at the things I've done, you know, you go back. The things you mentioned, most of the things were were volunteer or they would you'd get your expenses paid for or something like that. At that time, I thought it was an interesting thing. It was an interesting thing to coach the national team. For USA football uh, to be the head coach of the United States team is interesting. I mean, they paid your expenses. And yeah, it was like three and a half weeks out of your life. But it led to getting to know people from all over the world. And it led to a good relationship I have with, with USA football and thus it led to me. me, I have a chance to meet some great coaches, uh, pro coaches and college coaches. It's certainly been the next step, uh, to help with youth programs and the chance to meet, uh, Jimmy and D Haslam owners of the Cleveland Browns who have a really strong interest in helping youth in the state of Ohio. And uh, yeah, they they own the Browns, but they, they really want to help. And, uh, all these things kind of connected together. I, I, uh, you know, you look at a, another interesting challenge. I think people, well, at least I, I always look at it. it, it you get some energy for the, with the next challenge, you know, and, and, uh, how I can organize my life. Well, that's up to me, but, uh, okay. I, I've, I've always liked the idea that there's a new challenge and, and when you get excited about that, that really is important.
1: Coach, with all the things you do, I think you've learned quite a bit of, of creating that balance in your life with your family, with your faith, with your health. What advice do you have to coaches to be able to balance those types of things with a profession that demands a lot, but also has so much of our passion and attention?
0: Well, there, there, there's no doubt about it. People can get so worked up about it that it just takes over, especially in the age of computer now. Um, I think it can take over your life a little bit because you can always go on huddle.com and see a few more game films. The resources now, you have to be a little careful, I think, because you can end up getting almost hung up on it to, you're not, dealing with your life, there's an important idea that, that there's time to work and then there's time to just stop the meeting. Just say, all right, that's enough for today. Yes, we can sit here and talk another hour about do we uh, block this, it this way or do we blitz this way? No, nope, let's stop right now. Let's just go home. Get away for for a while. Get to our family you know, and then come back refreshed and take a look. And I I, I I firmly believe in that. I don't like the idea of meeting just to meet. Okay, Hey, we work really hard at some and we met for five or six hours. Well, maybe you didn't need to meet for five or six hours. And maybe that was counterproductive, to be honest. So I've always tried to realize if we're going to meet, let's sit here and get it done and do it effectively because that's, that's being efficient. And I think, uh, I think the, the, the key word to the, the answer to this question is understand what efficiency means and, and, and the idea of being effective in the time that you, you're working.
1: Coach, I know your work with USA football certainly does some things to impact the game in a positive way and maybe address some of the concerns about the future of the game. But what are your concerns about the future of the game and what ideas do you have to address those?
0: I have a concern about the game and and I'm using a lot of my time at the age i'm at i'm not saying i'm a young guy anymore i'm not 30 years old you know but at the age i'm at to 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 address concerns that people have about the game now so you're asking an important question what concerns do i have all right the concern number one is though this game is america's passion and it is baseball can say it's the american game but what is america's passion america's passion is football It's just the truth. You can look at the bowl games being played. You can look at the national championship games in college. You can look at the Super Bowl. It's America's passion. But the game can't be, well, I love the game, but I don't want my son playing it. That's where there's a problem. So to address it, one thing we're working on, the Cleveland Browns are helping pilot Certain programs. What we're noticing is a number of young, young kids, you know, six years old, seven year old, they're playing flag football, so they're having fun. Now, what does football do? The next step from flag football is 11 man tackle football. Now, what we notice right there is what? There's a drop off in participation of those young kids because parents think, well, my son's too young for that. Let's wait a few years and then get back into it. Well, that could be a problem. And that has shown to be a problem. If you take a look at baseball, baseball, a kid will start with hitting it off the tee, hitting the ball off the tee. Well, what's the next step? Well, the next step is coach's pitch, where the his coach tosses the ball to the kid and he hits it. Notice they have a progression. Basketball, the ball is smaller, lower rim, it's three on three for the younger kids. Hockey, hockey for those real young kids, they play half a rink, you know, and, 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 but what, what sport has not made an adjustment? It's football. Mm-hmm. So I know I just went through a long situation there. Browns are helping sponsoring this and piling it. It's actually a modified tackle program. And what that is is a good transition from uh, the flag football to tackle football. So instead of 11, 11 guys out there, no, there's there's seven, seven or eight, but seven we're working with. So there's three linemen, there's uh, a tight end, he could be a split end. And then you have uh, three backs, however you want to do it. You can flank one guy out or both guys out with just the quarterback, whatever. It, now the field, we, you bring the sideline in, uh, so the side the sidelines are actually the top of the numbers because little kids, the field we play on, it's way too big for them. It was not designed for little kids; it was designed big guys. So you bring the field in a little bit, and and the, like I said, the sidelines are the top of the numbers. And what does that do? One, with it, when there's only seven guys out there, there's not there's hardly any pileups. It's good fundamental heads up tackling. There's not as much momentum. Uh, if you watch a young kid's game with the big field, if you have the fastest kid in the league, get him the ball. Because he'll take off, run around the sidelines, and outrun everybody for a touchdown. It's kind of silly but that's what happens but you limit the field there's not as much momentum and the kids are playing good football uh it's first and ten uh there's a lot of rules that could go in with it but we're starting to try to develop a logical transition before you go to 11-man football and thus we can keep kids involved with the game because i think that's at the heart of this problem okay because people love the game but they're afraid okay they kids could get hurt well, to, to develop the skills, we need the kids to keep working at the skills. And, and so we need that transition. So I, I wandered off. I didn't wander. Off. No. I, I kind of elaborated here. But I think there's something really important that we're working on. Uh, everybody, we scrimmaged last August in, at Solon with the youth groups, with North Royalton, the Parma. The kids loved it. Parents who saw the, the game loved it they said i'd have my kid play this no problem and uh, picture the transition now, obviously we want to get to the 11 r11 11, but there's that confidence builder and those kids are in full equipment when they're doing this modifying. so they're getting used to tackling used to wearing the equipment so anyway i hope people take a look at it because it, it, we need to make some changes and help develop uh, the skills in a little more careful approach
1: Here's the final question, and I think you have a a lot of input into this one as far as what you've been able to do to help your teams find the winning edge. You've you've have a, a unprecedented eleven state championships in Ohio. You have three national championships. What's the one thing that you would say gives your team the winning edge?
0: As much as people want to go well to private school, I I invite anybody to take a look at whatever we do, because I think if you to talk to the. Commissioner of the State of Ohio, they, they'd say they respect our program immensely. Uh, I invite anybody to do that. So what's, what's the issue? You know, come August 1st, we'll have 200 and I'd say 200, around 250 kids, to, something like that, come out for football. Some of them, many of them have played, you know, youth football. Some kids come out, they haven't played. Uh, they just didn't get involved, but we say, come on out. I think that's the key thing. I mean, I think kids still come to, when they come to St. Ignatius High School, and uh, they got to come to our school for the right reason. Believe me, uh, it's, it's every kid that goes to our school is going to go to college, but they want to try football. They want to do it. Great. We get a lot of kids out, and you, you know, you, you get two hundred some kids out there. You're going to find some football players, okay? I don't care what they did in grade school, because uh, you know, kid in grade school could be five foot six. By the time he's a senior, he's six foot two, and that happens a lot. So, I think that's a key thing that it, it, the culture is: hey, it's a cool thing to go out for football. And if I was, any high school that has that, they're going to have good teams.
1: Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today and all the insight that you've shared into the game. Uh, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you?
0: Probably the best thing is just uh, email. My email is kyle at ignatius.edu because uh, I'm, not always, <laughs> I'm not always at my desk uh, and I'm not always able to get on the phone. But if I get an email, that gives me the flexibility to get back to the person.
1: Coach, thanks again for your time. It's always great to talk ball with you and I'm sure I'll see you here this off offseason. And, uh, Thank you for all you do.
0: Okay. Thank you, Keith.
1: Thank you again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator podcast. Stay tuned for all we have coming for you in 2022. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski and check out coachandcoordinator.com for information on CoachesClinic.com, partnership with all the state associations to bring you over 10 clinics, over 400 talks from this clinic season, all for one price. We have some discounts for groups and staff passes as well. Again, go to coachingcoordinator.com to check out the information on that.